8 o'clock. In my Gucci coat, tells 8 o'clock. This is Boys Up Fantasy. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite doctor, Dr. Mario, welcoming you back to another action-packed episode of your favorite fantasy football show, ISO Fantasy. I'm here with my favorite co-host, the real Jorge, and everyone's favorite uncle, Uncle Rick, back with another action-packed show, ready to bring you the heat. We have a lot to get to today, gentlemen, and a lot of uh, fantasy football playoffs were decided this past week, so we have a lot to get to, gents. I'm excited to tackle all these topics. Yes, sir. We're back. Man, week 13, I must say, is Bitter, not sweet for me. First time ever not doing good in uh, two of the major leagues that I'm part of. Uh, didn't make the cut, didn't make the playoffs. But um, if anybody else is out there, you know, that's actually made the playoffs through us, the help and the free game we're giving you, you're welcome. We got a good show for you guys tonight. <laughs> What's yeah. happening, everybody? It's your boy, the real Jorge. And I just want to start off by asking one question to my co-host. How did your matchup go in the Inhumans League, Rick? Who did you face? What? I mean, Rick, he's at lost at words. And I just want to let all of our audience know that the real Jorge faced Rick Rock on his revenge matchup because he beat me early in the season and ended with my undefeated streak. But week 13, I got my revenge. Rick needed a must win, and I booted him out of the Inhumans League. Bye-bye. Jesus Christ. It sounds like it was a tough matchup from beginning to end. But I have to say, Rick, after weeks and weeks of making uh, playoffs, it's a very weird feeling. It must feel kind of good to just kick back and relax and just enjoy some winter football. You know what I mean? Instead of having to worry about setting lineups and doing the whole shebang again, you know? Honestly, it is. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know? I have some other personal stress from work, and I know you guys know about it. I want to kind of fill in the listeners. This whole COVID thing, it's been really hard on us essential workers. And uh, one of my coworkers actually passed away to COVID. And uh, honestly, as much as I love football and fantasy football, I'm not making excuses. It is what it is. But, hey, I wish nothing but the best to all the players that made it to the playoffs and the Humans League and the ISOB League. But I'm coming for you all next year. Our deepest condolences from everyone here at ISUB to all the essential workers and particularly to you, Rick, for your co-worker. Sorry about that. But moving forward, gentlemen, I want to talk about the Monday night football game, the one we are all looking forward to, the must win. All eyes on Nick Mullins, a game where he was supposed to prove himself and give it to Jimmy to, here you go, Jimmy, just do the rest for us. Uh, it was a very disastrous night for one Nick Mullins. It did not go the way any of us were expecting or hoping it would go. The Bills defense came ready to play, as did Josh Allen. It was funny, while I, while I was watching the Monday Night Football game, I did not know that Josh Allen grew up a 49ers fan. Did you guys have any idea of that? I had no idea. That was actually pretty dope, though. The picture with him wearing the Niners uh, hat, hey, that's amazing. I could have predicted it because he's a California kid. Almost any Californian grew up a Niners fan. Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, the list goes on. All right, gentlemen. As I said earlier, the Bills pulled off what many had many expected, but a few of us 49ers faithful were holding our breath for and holding for us to just Nick Mullins to manage us to a game-winning victory. Unfortunately, it did not turn out the way we were hoping for. I wanted to get you gentlemen's thoughts, starting with you, the real Jorge, with thoughts on the game, the things you could have changed. If we could have played better, Nick Mullins could have played better. Does this fall on the defense? So my thoughts for this game, I just want to start off with giving the final score in this one. The Bills, the Buffalo Bills defeated the San Francisco 49ers 34-24. to The game seemed a lot closer with the final score as it really was because once the Buffalo Bills took a huge lead in the first half, going into the half 17-7, I honestly thought that the Niners lost the game because – if you were watching the game, the Niners had the early lead 7-0 after making a goal line stand against the Buffalo Bills. But as Dr. Mario just mentioned, Nick Mullins, he was he did not rise to the occasion. We all knew Nick Mullins had to make key plays in this game. And again, one of my keys for the game, if you guys listened to our last episode, was protect the rock. Do not turn the ball over. And what happened? Nick Mullins, he got intercepted twice in this game. I don't care that he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. He did not protect the ball, and essentially turnovers is why the Niners lost. Also, on the flip side, Rick, what are your thoughts for the defense, man? 
How do you think the defense performed? I don't know what Buffalo did that exposed the 49ers secondary. And this is with a healthy Sherm and a healthy Verrett. There was a hole, and it was very obvious where Quan Williams wasn't there. And he's a slot nickel corner. And Cole Beasley had a fridging game of his life. I just hate that. I think this is the first defensive game that Salah actually called a horrible game plan because they were playing a lot of zone and we were getting shredded left and right. And like we would call a zone coverage. They already knew what we were going to do. We would call man to man. Dicks would run wide open. Like there was nothing we could do to stop that pass. The passing game from the Buffalo Bills. Not to take anything away from the Buffalo Bills, especially Josh Allen. Credit to the Buffalo Bills defense also that came to play. And once again, it's a different game with Jimmy G and George Kittle. Um, if they were both, you know, healthy and they would have played the game. And that leads to my next question for Dr. Mario. What do you think about Kyle Shanahan's game plan for this game? Why didn't the offense come through? Why did they perform so late when it didn't even matter? They pretty much scored in garbage points. There's a lot of benefactors in the doc's opinion of what went down for our beloved San Francisco 49ers. Among them, gentlemen, is I feel like they truly feel betrayed by Santa Clara County. I believe that same week or a few days prior, they found out they're, they're going to get kicked out of their home stadium. It may not seem like a big deal to you guys, but it does take a toll on the players, seeing as that they're going to be away from their families for more than a month, especially on this time, the holidays. Yes, they're professionals, but they're kind of doing the NBA bubble thing. Not so much in a bubble, but you're in a hotel confined. I saw that they set up a weight room in one of the banker rooms of the said hotel, they're going to eat in said hotel and try not to leave from the hotel. And if you leave, it's to go straight to the stadium. I'm not saying it's a jail life, but it's sort of like a monotonous um, routine, if you will. I mean, for all the 49ers fans that missed the postgame interview with Raheem Mozart, that's all you got to listen to, the tape. This guy was in tears talking about how he was going to miss his family, how it was really going to affect his psychological aspect to the game. So I couldn't agree anymore, Dr. Mario. Rick's a big family man. Us Peruvians, we're used to visiting our families every Sunday or once per, per weekend. And if I don't see my family once per weekend, I go a little crazy. Like, Rick, can you imagine not being with us in your family for more than a month? Man, it depends, though. Who are you talking about? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, we've been very vocal about COVID-19 and how it's going to affect sports and things out of sports in general. You guys are probably sick of hearing this, whether you believe in COVID or not. This is surreal. And yes, there are better days ahead. But hey, you know what? I would go mad shit, Mario. You know me. I would go mad shit if I don't see my family. But gents, like I said, some of these players have wives. They have kids. And, you know, I just can't imagine being away from, from your family for so long. It does take a mental toll. You go a little bit crazy. And that's just one of the many reasons why I think uh, this game ended in an L. Uh, they're not playing their home stadium, which I'm sure felt a little weird to them. Not to mention the various different hits that Niners have taken uh, throughout the season. The loss of Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Benji Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard, George Kittle going down twice, you know. You've been rotating running backs the entire season. Uh, all that stuff eventually for Kyle Shannon, I assume the stress must get to him and We've all had bad days at work, gentlemen, and there's there comes a time when everything just goes so bad. You just think to yourself, you know what? Fuck it, you know? And you just do a half-assed job. I don't blame Kyle Shanahan. We're, we're all human, but I feel like those are one of the many contributing factors that led to the 49ers' unfortunate loss. However, that's no excuse, and this loss, in my opinion, gentlemen, was going to set the tone for the rest of their time in Arizona, and you did not want to open up with a loss. Unfortunately, they did. They uh, sunk themselves in a deeper hole. And now the Niners say if they want to have a chance at playoffs, they have to dig themselves out of that said deeper hole, which will be more difficult, less difficult had you won this Monday night matchup. Trouble lies ahead, gents. We'll see if we can bounce back from this unfortunate loss. But then, let me just say this, though, Mario. Let me point out to the brightest thing that happens for the 49ers, the brightest side, is that Brandon Ayuk is the real deal. I don't care what yes, anybody says. There's this Brian that went on his Twitter and actually compared Man. Brandon Ayuk Two, Julio Jones. He basically said Brandon Ayuk is Julio Jones' little brother. And <laughs> Mohamed Sanu went ahead and agreed with him on that. Mind you, Mohamed Sanu was on the Niners' roster this season. So and he's Mohamed played with Julio Jones in, in Atlanta Falcons, right? Yes. So that's a great point, Rick. And, you know, you, you guys got to see that because 
The future is bright for the 49ers. They finally got two good wide receivers in Ayuk and Samuel. But, you know, this is something that they got to build on. Just like just like when we started to build with George Kittle, where we saw glimpses, you know, and, and things just came. And same thing with Mostert. You know, there's glimpses that you need to see. Yes, whether this is going to be a winning season or a losing season, you got to set the tone for the future. And that's what I see with Brandon Ayuk. He was targeted nine times. He had five receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. His, lost, his longest pass uh, reception was for 49 yards. Now against, you know, a pretty good, decent secondary. Rick, don't forget to mention that that 49-yard pass, Brandon Ayuk had to adjust. He was expecting the ball to go over his right-hand shoulder, and he had to do a complete 360 and catch the ball on his left-hand shoulder. And that is not easy to do for any wide receiver at any level. And for the rookie to do that and catch it perfectly, man, props to Ayuk. Gentlemen, I wanted to touch up on one more subject before we uh, move on from this subject. There was one play where Fred Warner forced a fumble and he recovered it for a turnover. However, it was brought back due to a holding call on Richard Sherman. It was an interception. He tipped the ball. Yeah, excuse me. Yes, it was an interception. And it was uh, called back due to a holding call from Richard Sherman. The camera focused on Richard Sherman after that. Richard Sherman looked like not upset, not annoyed, but looked like he was just over it and done. And after that uh, penalty, I felt like Richard Sherman just kind of checked out of the game altogether which is very rare to see from Richard Sherman, who have, who's a seasoned veteran and one of our captains on our defense. And he had a horrible game after that. I just saw him keep getting burned, whether it be zone or man-to-man. Well, what do you, what do you just thoughts on, on this? Uh, on this? There are games where a player just has one of those flat games, and this was one of those games for Richard Sherman. Um, it did not help that he brought up during the week that him – Signing with the 49ers in the offseason is looking very blimp. It's not looking good at all um, mm-hmm. due to the fact because the 49ers got 28 free agents that they got to sign and the amount of money that he's going to command and he wants to request because, remember, he is his own agent and he represents himself. So he kind of has already done the math. He knows where this is going. And I, I just don't know what he's thinking about saying that out loud now. You know what I mean? To me, like, yes, it's almost the end of the season, but you can't bring that up. I mean, maybe to rally the guys and say, okay, let's let's win this, like like uh, the real Jorge mentioned the last episode. Maybe the team will band together and and we want to go win it and not waste the talent. You know, do it for Sherman. But man, I don't know, man. He just to me, he, he just had a flat game. That's just me. Nah, yeah, I couldn't agree anymore, Rick Rock. And I kind of read Sherman's lips, and he apologized after, right after the referee called that flag. But as you guys mentioned, he didn't pick it up after that. He kind of fell back, and the corners were getting burnt. Josh Allen, every time he ran out of the pocket, he was completing passes left and right. The pressure didn't get to him fast enough, and Josh Allen on the run – is one of the deadliest throwers because he has a cannon of an arm. His accuracy is improving. And essentially, that's what got us the loss, man. Josh Allen's great play and the Niners' defense poor play, it was just not a good mix-up. Something that also we left out is Debo Samuel, man. If you guys watched the L.A. game, he was the focal point of the offense. The game plan ran through him. So if Kyle Shanahan wasn't trying to prioritize the running game yet again in this game, it should have been to Debo Samuel. Yes, I'm glad Ayuk got his flashes here and there, but that was all Ayuk. Debo Samuel could have definitely helped the Niners win if he got targets earlier in the game, but that didn't happen. He didn't start getting targeted till the third and fourth quarter, which pissed me off. Even the ESPN announcers mentioned it in the game. They were like, why is he just catching the ball now? We know what Debo Samuel could do. He even broke a couple tackles, and we all know the passing game goes through the Yak Bros. So when the Yak Bros are healthy, you have to give the ball to them. Do you gentlemen feel like this loss falls more on Kyle Shannon or Robert Sala and his defense defensive play calling? I'm going to go with Sala because, look, man, we're not 
NFL coaches. We're not. Okay, let's let's get that clear. But I don't want to sound like an idiot either, right? But I have to say this. When you play Madden, you know the kind of coverage that you're going to give. Pre-snap and then after snap, right? You can do your audibles, you can do you can you can set. And when I play somebody Madden, I know what kind of coverage I'm going to do depending on what you have on the field. Every time it was a second and eight, second and third and six. It's like they were completing every single damn pass. It's like the zone scheme that they were playing yesterday, it was so predictable. They couldn't stop anybody. The game plan was horrible. The defensive game plan was horrible, and there's no excuse because Sherman and Red were healthy. Not to mention the Buffalo Bills are clutch. I don't know why they kept going it on fourth down, fourth and goal, fourth and one, fourth and three. Yes, in the beginning of the game, they got shut down. But ever since then, they converted. And that is essentially why they kept scoring in the end. They were risking it all. They're like, we have nothing to lose against the Niners. If we take an L, so what? We'll be eight and four and we'll move on. But no, they converted. And that kept pissing me off, man. I'm sorry, Niners defense. Rick, like you said, if it's fourth and one, you bring an all-out blitz no matter what. Try to stop the quarterback right from the jump, and that didn't happen. This is Eyes Fantasy. Yes, gentlemen, a most unfortunate loss for the 49ers, which have to hold this hell and bounce back. The Niners have a favorable matchup this upcoming week with the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team, which leads us to our next topic. The Washington football team versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Gentlemen, the Washington football team crafted one of its best comebacks wins in years, led by a man who knows all about comebacks. Quarterback Alex Smith, whose career appeared to be over two years ago because of his gruesome leg injury, helped rally Washington to a stunning 23-17 victory over the previously unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers. The loss drops the Steelers to 11-1 on the season, and the 1972 Miami Dolphins can pop their champagne as the football team improves to 5-7. and seven. The Steelers are now tied with the Chiefs in the race for a home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs, and the football team is tied with the Giants in the NFC East. The game saw quarterback Alex Smith throw a lot of short, safe passes, and his favorite receivers were Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick. Smith isn't particularly playing good, but he's playing okay. Solid football, managing the game. Two years after a horrific leg injury that could have ended his career. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the game and Alex Smith? Um, I'm just going to pass this on to the real Jorge, um, who had a great article this morning. And uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, go on to ISUB Fantasy Football and check us out. Uh, you'll read the article. With that being said. Thank you, Rick Rock. Make sure to tune in to ISUB Fantasy Podcast on Instagram. Read the amazing story i had a lot of great things to say about alex smith he's not just a football player he's an awesome man an awesome husband all of the above props to alex smith shout out so in this particular game in the previous episode i said i didn't care about this game because i thought the steelers were going to stomp the washington football team i honestly didn't even give alex smith a chance because he was facing big ben who's a hall of fame quarterback mike tomlin who's a hall of fame head coach and yeah man i didn't see the steelers you know taking their foot off the pedal because they're they have the number one ranked defense all the check marks were there for the steelers to win this game and also you could consider it a trap game because the steelers definitely got caught slipping and alex smith I don't know what he's doing to J.D. McKissick, but he's making him look like a Marshall Falk. If you remember Marshall Falk mm-hmm. back in the day, Marshall Falk was a, a great dump-off running back where he caught multiple passes game in and game out. And in this game, J.D. McKissick, he had 10 receptions, 70 yards, and he only rushed the ball five times for eight yards. But he's a great back whenever Alex Smith, he can't find any open wide receivers. He makes something out of nothing and also Alex Smith in this game he threw for 296 yards one touchdown and what is the difference between Nick Mullins and Alex Smith he did not turn the ball over he threw for no picks unfortunately he got sacked three times and in one of those sacks a defensive lineman stepped on Alex Smith's leg and if you watch the game Alex Smith was bleeding from his leg man that was a scary sight to see 
I'm just glad Alex Smith is okay. He wasn't injured uh, harshly. That kept him out of the game. He even talked about it in his post-game press. And I got all love for Alex Smith, Ron Rivera for giving him a shot. Shout out to the Washington football team. I, I hope you guys find a name by the end of the season. And I hope the Washington football team also makes the playoffs because I'd be excited to watch them in the playoffs. Uh, let me sound like Ray Rado right now. Shout out to Ray Rado, 95.7, Damon Bruce Show. I'm going to sound like Ray Rado right now. Well, uh, see, there's one thing about the Steelers that a lot of people are overlooking like everybody did last year with the Dallas Cowboys when they started 6-0 and this year. Now, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers that started 11-0. Now, look at the teams that they play. Week 1. New York Giants. Week two, Denver Broncos. Trash. Week three, the Houston Texans. Wah. Week four, the Philadelphia Eagles. Wah. Week five, okay, a semi-decent game against the Cleveland Browns. Wah. Look at week six against the Titans. Another, okay, okay game, okay. They won. Wah. Uh, a game against the Ravens. Let's be honest. The Ravens have not been the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is having one of the the bust of the year award. Colin Kaepernick esque. Yes, sir. And damn, I'm, I'm, that's how. That's why I'm not in the ISL fantasy football this year. Fat playoffs. But anyways, another topic another day. Um, and then they played the Cowboys, right? And after that, they played the Bengals. Really? Then after the Bengals. They played the Jaguars. Then after the Jaguars, they played the Ravens with a practice squad team. Yep. And then they finally play a decent team with a good defense. Let's not take anything away from what the Steelers have done. But to me, I feel like, you know, let me see what you have done and against who. And I'm going to tell you what kind of team you are. So maybe everybody's gotten caught up on the whole you know, 6-0, 7-0, 8-0 hype. And I'm not going to lie, we did too. But are they a great team? Yes, the Steelers are a great team. They have a they have a great defensive team. They're they're the number one defense in the league. They for got a playmakers. Wait, Rick, they got playmakers all across the defensive side and the offensive side. If you name any of those players, playmaker, playmaker, Clay, Claypool, Washington, Juju, Deontay Johnson, TikToker, Juju, even the tight end, Eric Ebron, James Conner. Dude, I could go all day but just you, talking about their lineup. But you know what's been one of the weakest things this whole year? It's been the running game. Conner is a bust. He's going after this year. They got Anthony Marfarland, who's going to be a, a – he's going to be nice in the future. And they have uh, Benny Snell. So, to me, the identity of – the Pittsburgh Steelers is running game and defense. Guess what they don't have? The running game. They do not have the running game. And that's what's going to hurt them in the playoffs. How do you win in the playoffs? You got to be able to run the ball. If you're going to if you're going to have Ben throw 30 40 times, yes, you can win, but that's a lot of wear and tear. And if he's going to get hit, you know, he's not he's not a young spring chicken anymore. You know, he he's coming from an elbow surgery. And I, and I believe he has a left knee issue right now. So, shout out to the Washington team. Shout out to Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. And that defensive line, that 49ers 2.0 defensive line that they built, it actually worked. I can't believe it. It actually worked. All first-round picks, by the way. Yes, sir. So, I mean, they're, they're upcoming, and I'm, and I'm happy for them. And, you know, Washington needs to... Needs to be in the spotlight from here on out. Gents, you guys are looking at the glass half empty. I'm going to show you the glass half full. This was definitely a trap game for quarterback Alex Smith of the Washington football team. I'm going to tell you the many reasons why. I am not buying none of the Alex Smith hype. Yes, I am, I'm not taking nothing away from Alex Smith. You're a tough guy. It takes a lot of balls and brass to come back and play football after that gruesome, horrific leg injury, which I wish on no one. However... You guys seem to forget the, the years we suffered under Alex Smith, how he would have one great game and then come back to earth. And he just never quite lived up to the expectations and hopes of the first round pick, the number one overall pick that he was. The next two games he has is against actually the team that drafted him, the San Francisco 49ers. 
that Patrick is going to come for him, and he's not too mobile nowadays. The week after that, he, he's going to go in a shootout against Russell Wilson if he can keep up with Russell Wilson and those weapons. Wait, Dr. Mario, you're quick to forget that Alex Smith had a new offensive coordinator year in and year out. So I don't know any quarterback that could have game managed any better than he did with the San Francisco 49ers because if you remember towards the late end of his career with the Niners, there was an offensive coordinator that he, he had come back continuously, and that is Greg Roman. And what did he do with Greg Roman? He was one of the best QBR rating quarterbacks in the league. And the year that he got concussed, he had a 104 QBR rating, which shows that he was a promising quarterback, which gave enough confidence for Andy Reid to pull the trigger and trade for Alex Smith. Yes, but if you remember, Jorge, like it should have taken the number one overall draft pick six years to reach his full potential. Not to mention, Alex Smith was rather a bridge quarterback for Patrick Mahomes because they went to the finals a few to playoffs a few a few times, twice, if I'm not mistaken. He couldn't manage to win the big game, even with all those offensive weapons. Fast forward, Patrick Mahomes starts, and what happens? Exactly, and that's and that's something that let's be honest, let's not take anything away from Alex Smith. And I understand your point, Mario, but. It's like having a, a 2000 Honda Civic, and then here comes Mahomes, and that's a 2020 Ferrari. You can't, you can't do that, you know, and, and, and I see your point, and I agree with you. I just don't think that anybody can win with Alex Smith because he's only a game manager, and you're right about that. We've seen it live in person. With the San Francisco How many 49ers. times did he win the big game for us, and then, like, the next coming weeks, he let us down, Rick? Yeah. How many times— how, how many times did you pull your hair? Did you like scream and yell and sulk like, Jesus, this cannot be it. This is not happening. Uh, yeah, you know, you definitely. I mean, do, do made me cry when we lost against the New York Giants uh, in the NFC Championship game. So that was not his fault. Kyle Williams, we still hate you. It don't matter, though. You, 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 you still you still got to show up and play offense and you wouldn't have to blame a, 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 a special team player like that. And once again, shout out and respect. He's definitely, definitely the comeback player of the year this year, without a doubt. But he will always be a game manager. All good points. All very valid points, gentlemen. I'm, exa- I'm excited that we touched on this topic. And for our fellow listeners sitting at home, uh, when you see the post regarding this, please chime in on the comments. Tag us. Give us your opinion. Do you think Alex Smith is comeback play- or player of the year? Do you feel like he's a game manager? Do you feel like he never lived up to the hype? Let us know in the ISO Fantasy Football page. Make sure to follow us on Twitter as well as Instagram. This is ISO Fantasy. So like I mentioned earlier, I have Alex Smith as my comeback player of the year. I've, I've asked a bunch of people online, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They all have Alex Smith as their comeback player of the year. Now, let me ask you guys, starting with uh, Dr. Mario, do you agree that Alex Smith should be the comeback player of the year? I have to disagree, gentlemen. Seeing as he wasn't the full-time starter from the beginning of the season, the job kind of just fell to him after the Ron Rivera realized the quarterbacks he had starting wasn't working out for him. Like I said before, he's a bridge quarterback. He said he beat the undefeated team, which is good in its own right. He, and he's forced to throw. He plays from behind, similar to Dak Prescott. But I feel like the comeback player title, it's a little too – it's almost like giving him a participation award. Like, here you go, buddy. You came back from injury. Here's your medal. Here's your reward. And no, I don't have him for comeback player of the year, gentlemen. I'm sorry. I'm not taking away nothing from him. I wish him the best. You know, it takes balls to come back and play football after that gruesome leg injury, as I said earlier. But he is not my pick for comeback player of the year, gents. I have a different person in mind. All right, so put some respect on my boy, Alex Smith. Gents, you guys are overlooking a big factor, and he's in the team you guys root for, my boy, Jason Verrett, who stepped up big time in the absence of Richard Sherman, and after waiting for him to fully be healthy, he finally stepped up big time and has been handling his business with the exception of this past Monday night, but I've seen some great tackles from him as well as coverage, and as well as uh, I believe he has like one or two interceptions on on the year. But when Richard Sherman left to fill that void, I feel like my boy Jason Verrett has stepped up big time, and he's proved me wrong because I was doubting him big time when he wasn't on the field. Jason Verrett's my pick for comeback player of the year. Another honorable mention for me, gentlemen, will be J.J. Watt. He's out of, he has that interception, I believe, a pick six as well, a few sacks. Not to mention, 
this is the first time in a long time I feel he's going to finish out the season. So those are my the Doc's top two picks for comeback play of the year, gentlemen. Jason Barrett and J.J. Watt. I mean, I respect your picks, Dr. Mario. I was actually unaware that Jason Verrett had 11 solo tackles in this last Monday night football game. That is pretty impressive. It's putting in the work, gentlemen. He's Yeah, he's elevating his game as the weeks go by. And to answer your question, unfortunately, he has had only one interception the entire year, but it was a red zone interception, if you remember. That was a really nice interception that he had. So, yeah, I mean, I would agree with you, but when we're talking about comeback player of the year and the hurdles you have to go over to come back just to play the game, it has to be Alex Smith, hands down. And for him to get wins while he's doing it and potentially – and he has put the Washington football team back into the playoffs. I mean, you're quick to forget that the Washington football team stomped on the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. They stomped them 41 to 16. And everybody, everybody bits everybody bits the Cowboys. I mean, I think you, me, and Jorge can go out there and beat the Cowboys. Okay, okay. Let me go a week prior to that. The Washington football team beat the Bengals 20 to 19. Yeah, who was so, their quarterback? Was it Joe Burrow or was it a, some scrub? Okay, we're talking about Alex Smith right now, and you're saying that he only has one win. No, what you're is, mistaken. What did Uncle Rick just say in the last topic? He said, I judge you by based on who you beat. Yes, but we're talking about how many wins has Alex Smith had, and he's oh. on a three-game winning streak right now, and he has put the Washington football team back into the playoff picture, whether it's the wild card with a 5-7 and seven record, which the San Francisco 49ers also currently hold, or it's for the NFC East division. So it doesn't matter who they're facing. Alex Smith, he's just put in to do his job, which is to play quarterback, and he's carrying the team right now on a three-game winning streak. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not, I'm not telling, and he's not necessarily carrying. Antonio Gibson has put in some of the work as well. as hasn't all just been Alex Smith. You can't tell me Antonio Gibson hasn't been a factor as well as Scary Terry. Not to mention that top defense that you guys mentioned earlier, that it's all – First round picks, that's got to count for something, gentlemen. So please don't come in how Alex Smith has like some kind of unspoken hero that the Washington football team has been looking for. I would rather have Alex Smith on the Niners than Nick Mullins. That's all I got to say. No, God, <laughs> please, no. How about Rick? Rick, please chime in. What are your thoughts? I, I agree with you. I mean, when you break it down the way you just break it down, it's all about the teams that you beat. Anybody can have the stats, let's be honest. And he has the talent around not, him. He not has, Nick Mullins. He'll for sure throw two picks in the game. Yes, but you can't you just said that Alex Smith is better than Nick Mullins. We all know that. You know, Alex Nick, Smith Nick Mullins is a career backup too. Al, and not yeah, to mention you were drafted number one overall. That's yes. A big difference. Dude. Yes. And, and and that's sad because if you're saying to me, Nick Mullins is a seven, and to me, Alex Smith is a seven point eight. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo is an 8.5. You can't try to sell me, Jorge, that Alex Smith is a better quarterback than than the teams that they faced. You know what I mean? So, and he's in a horrible conference, man. And and I give don't don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's in a in a weak division. But don't take anything away from this too, though. But you gotta admit he's in the NFC East. Really? Come on now. Yeah, that too, man. That's the only reason why he's in playoffs contention, Jorge. That's got to count for something. You're in the the NFC least, man. The weakest if you league put him in the in NFC the West, you think he'll make playoffs? All right. We're talking about comeback player of the year. I just want to wrap this up. We'll see at the end of the season who's the clown. I'm looking at Rick's face. He's already painting on those clown eyes. And you too, Jeez. Dr. Mario. Well, I would group Alex Smith, gentlemen. Group him with the Ryan Leafs, with the Chamarcus Russells, with the Tim Couches. With the uh, Joey Harrington's as bust with the Charles Rogers grouping with all those guys, gentlemen. That's a doctor. You pick. know this, man. This is Boys Fantasy. Moving on to our next topic, gentlemen. We have a uh, Ravens versus Cowboys recap, which should be interesting and exciting. Tuesday night football game. I never thought I would actually say that. Tuesday night football game, Ravens versus Steelers. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the game? 
so unexpectedly, it was close early in the game where the Ravens were leading 17 to 10 heading into the half. And I honestly thought Andy Dalton was going to pull off an upset heading into the second half. However, the Ravens adjusted. They mulled over the Cowboys and scored another 17 points in the second half. The Cowboys were only able to score seven points in the fourth quarter. With the final score in this one, Ravens 34 victorious over the Cowboys 17. So for the Cowboys, most disappointing season in the last 10 years, 15 years. They've had some pretty disappointing seasons as of late, but I cannot remember how bad the Cowboys been this season. You, you cannot compare it, man. They should almost be given a number one overall pick of how bad they've been this year. And for Lamar Jackson, he was finally activated off the COVID list. He had two touchdowns through the air in this one. He had one mistake, throwing one inner, and he looked good, man. On the flip side, rushing the ball, he had 13 rushes, 94 yards, another touchdown, his longest run of the day, 37 yards. Unfortunately, he also fumbled the ball, so he had two turnovers, but it's okay. The Ravens got the win. The defense, they stepped up. They shut down the cop. They did their job. They, they shut down the Cowboys' offense, and it just – yeah, man. We all knew the Ravens were going to win. What are your thoughts, Mario? All right. Officially, the Dallas Cowboys season is not over, quote-unquote. Not even with a 3-9 record following Tuesday's 34-17 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. But in reality, it is over. And maybe it has been for weeks now. Maybe it ended when the Cowboys lost quarterback Dak Prescott for the season in, in October. The Cowboys continue to hang on on the notion that anything is possible considering the lackluster play of the NFC East and the lackluster play of their coach. Everything is still in front of them. They just needed to put it all together. They can continue to say that if they want. They are just two games out of first place, but it will ring hollow. This is a bad team that does bad things, and we'll be looking at a top-five pick in next spring's NFL draft. The Dallas Cowgirls, <clears throat> excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys have lost six of their past seven games and are guaranteed their first losing record since 2015. In this past 40 games, Mike McCarthy's teams are 14-25-1. and one. After a 12-day break because of the Ravens' COVID-19 outbreak, the Cowboys' defense looked like a unit that had not practiced at all. How else to explain giving up three rushes for at least 30 yards in the first half? The Cowboys allowed more than 200 yards on the ground for the fourth time this season, gentlemen. The most in the NFL there have been 24 other 200-yard rushing games allowed this season. It's not looking too good for the Dallas Cowboys. And as, as for Lamar Jackson... Coming back, I expected Lamar to come back and impose his will. Lamar came back and bullied the Dallas Cowboys, which is what I expected him to do. However, it should be interesting to see how he does next week against the Cleveland Browns, fellow divisional rival. That being said, let's get some thoughts on my Uncle Rick. Mm, man, here we go, sounding like Ray Ryder again. Mm. Well, <laughs> um, I think the Cowboys, you know, Jorge, when, when we talked to uh, Steve Alfaro, you look like Ray Rodder with that gut. Okay, well, thanks. You better You better delete that, all right? So, uh, anyways. <laughs> um, bang, bang, Niner gang. Uh, what I, what I want to say is, you know, when we talked to Steve Alfaro and we talked and we emphasized about identities, about how you want to build your team, and it starts at the very top. And with the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, He's another Al Davis where the older he gets, he's losing it and losing it. I don't care. You're a billionaire. Okay, I get it. Cool story, bro. What have you done for the Cowboys lately? Nothing. Nothing at all. Don't get me wrong. They drafted one of the best players in the draft, C.D. Lamb. But the most obvious pick should have been a D-lineman, cornerback, or a linebacker. But they went ahead. For the for the for the brand new the racing glitz and glamour. Yes, exactly, Fireworks. exactly. That's what he went for. And why? You have Gallup, you have Cooper, you have some good, decent wide receivers behind them, and and you have a pretty a two great tight ends if you really think about it. So why did you do that? Why did you? Why did you mess that chemistry? Okay, yeah. Let me guess. Jerry Jones, the businessman, he put on his business hat. This is going to sell a lot of jerseys. This is going to bring me whatever I need for the team. You know what I'm saying? No. No. That's not what you do. That's not what you do. He messed up the Cowboys. Point 
blank, period. Defense yes. wins championships. That's what I got to say about that. So well, Thank uh, you, Jerry Jones, for picking it, making those picks. Thank you, because your, your uh, sorrow is my joy. This is Boys Up Fantasy. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. That's Allow right. me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, oh, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. I guess even back then... You to end the show on a high note, we're going to do with our fans' favorite topic, free game. That is where our three co-hosts break down and give you guys a free game. The guys that have been killing it and crushing it and probably got you into playoffs for your fantasy football league. I'll be happy to kick things off here. The Dr. Mar is going to go first. Among my notable free game players is none other than rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. The rookie has exploded onto the NFL. He's seen double-digit targets in two of his last three uh, games, posting a 70-yard floor for the Vikings that may not be overly impacted by a potential return of Adam Thielen. I expect him to keep mowing and keep plowing and Kirk Cousins to keep feeding the rookie wide receiver, The Rock. My other free game happens to be none other than Chicago Bears running back David Montgomery. Montgomery rushed for 17 times for 72 yards and two touchdowns in Week 13 against the Lions. He also caught all four of his targets for 39 yards, and it's the second straight week. Montgomery has went over 100 total yards. Montgomery's two touchdowns had Chicago in position to win the fourth quarter before Trubisky fumbled away the game. Negative games, Chris, will be hard to avoid for Montgomery, but fantasy managers should continue to start him for a favorable Week 14 matchup against the Houston Texans. How about you, Jorge? What you got for a free game for our fellow listeners at home? Bless yes, them or something. Yes, definitely. The real Jorge is going to put the realest player for the free game right now. And I would love to kick it off with none other than Corey Davis, who exploded this last Sunday with 11 receptions, 182 yards through the air, and one tug. That is for t- on standard leagues, that amounts for 24 fantasy football points. And why is Corey Davis a league winner for me? Because his matchups for the start of the fantasy football playoffs, he is going none other than the weakest defense in the NFL right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are not very good in talent or stopping the passing game, the running game, etc. Corey Davis is, I, ha- I expect. He's going to get fed a lot, especially after his freaking breakout game last Sunday against the Browns. Now he faces the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week 15, his matchup gets even better. He faces the Detroit Lions, whose secondary is complete trash, besides Jeff Okuda. Shout out to my boy, first-round pick. And to finish things off, the Green the Green Bay Packers secondary for a, match, for a championship matchup. I believe Corey Davis is a league winner. I'm calling it first. I'm sure you're going to hear it on ESPN Fantasy Football, Fantasy Focus, et cetera, et cetera. Listen to ISO Fantasy Football if you want the true insight before everybody else. Great players. Great players, you guys. For me, it's going to be none other than Wayne Gallman, running back for the New York Giants. I mean, this is an unsung hero for the New York Giants. He's actually been a spark to that dreadful offense since he's been inserted as the main running back after Devontae Freeman was placed in the IR. Even before that, he every time he touched the ball, he actually did a lot better than Saquon Barkley. So I just want you guys to just listen to the stats, okay? Listen to the stats. He went against one of the better run defenses, okay, which, yes, the Philadelphia Eagles have a pretty decent rush defense. He had 10 carries, 34 yards, one touchdown for 11.4 fantasy points. The weekend after that, he went against one of the top, top rushing defenses in the league, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had 12 carries, 44 yards, one touchdown for 12.2 points, fantasy points. The weekend after that, he went against the Washington team, 14 carries, 68 yards, one touchdown, 13.7 fantasy points. The week after that, 18 carries, 53 yards, two touchdowns, 
18 points. Then, of course, he went against the Cincinnati, blah, blah. We already know about that. He went against, last week, he went, he went, uh, he went against the Seahawks. He had 16 carries, 100, 135 rushing yards for 13.5. And the game that I mentioned against the Cincinnati Bengals, he had 24 carries for 94 yards, one touchdown, one touchdown, and a 15 points for fantasy. Now, He's facing the dreadful Arizona Cardinals run defense next week. After that, he's facing a decent rushing defense against the Cleveland Browns. And the week after that, he's facing the Baltimore Ravens, who, let's be honest, they're probably going to make sure a lot of those players are going to be off. Play maybe one half. You never know. Even though I know they're still in the playoff race, I still think... The running game is a priority for the New York Giants team because that's that's what opens everything up for them. And they have a great defense. The New York Giants have a great defense. So what did we talk about earlier? Great defense, great running make, uh, great running game equals to success in the regular season and even more of a success during the playoffs. Wayne Gallman. So if you don't have him, slap yourself. And you know this, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, gentlemen, for the free game. I just wanted to throw one more bonus one for our fellow listeners out there. Another starting. If you didn't pick him up, smack the crap out of yourself. Taysom Hill capped off this week with 27.58 fantasy football points. How is he a league winner if Drew Brees is coming back? Can I break down my segment before you really interrupt me? (laughs) Sound up. As I said earlier... Tay Taysom Hill finished off his night with 27.58 fantasy football points, gentlemen. Throwing for 232 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 14 rush attempts on 83 yards, and one rushing touchdown. Taysom Hill is the third highest scoring quarterback in the fantasy football since taking over the Saints' starting job three weeks ago. I'll take him over Alex Smith any day of the week. Hill had his most complete game as a starter against the Falcons in Week 13, passing for 232 yards and two scores to go along with 83 yards on the ground. Only Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins have outscored Hill over the past three weeks. The power of quarterback rushing production can't be overstated. Hill is 13th passing in yardage in his three starts, but has 178 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Nearly 60% of his fantasy production has come via the rush. However, if Drew Brees with the 11 fractured ribs can't come back for the Saints week 14 against the Eagles, Taysom Hill will remain a quarterback one option with a sturdy floor. Free game from the dock. And that ends our segment for that, gentlemen. For our fellow listeners at home, if you can, please follow, like, and comment. We love to engage with our fans and listeners as well. Follow up at Podcast on Instagram as well as Twitter. And if you need to ever want to interact with any of us, Follow us at the City of Champions at Mario four, Mario four fifteen and at Rick underscore Los Untouchables. We're always there. We're always live. We're happy to engage with all of our fans and fellow listeners. Thank you for listening. Because without any of you guys, none of this is possible. And tune in for next week for more free game as well as we as well as us breaking down the fantasy football game. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. This is Boys Up Fantasy.